Welcome to the Volpreneur Podcast channel. My very special special guest today is Fred Chubeska, who is an award-winning winning serial entrepreneur, most famous for co-founding Australia's leading personal web comparison website, Finder. He recently appeared on the AFR Young Rich List with a wealth of $193 million. Fred is currently leading the Finder app, which is Australian first that will connect your bank accounts and automatically compare products for you. Welcome, Fred. Thanks for coming along. Thank you, John, and thank you, listeners, for joining in and hearing us. It's a great podcast. Subscribe, guys. This is where it's at. Cool. So um, we uh, the, the rule for my podcast usually is I've got to learn something. So we only interview people where I actually sometimes don't know what I'm talking about. So that's the idea. Otherwise, there's no point. Um, so my whole objective for the, for the interview is to try to make sure I learn something and hopefully listen and learn something from that as a result. So um, I did a little bit of research on you and had a bit of a look around. It's quite interesting. Um, so where did you sort of come from in the first place? Like, how did you get to where you got to now and sort of a, a fairly short explanation? I, you know, I mean, obviously it's a very long story, but how did you sort of, what sort of pushed you from, I'm assuming you started off, what, where'd you start off at school? Did you go to university or something or? Yeah, I, I did go to university. I, I studied, um, actuarial studies and computer science, but, um, that I didn't finish my actuarial studies and I actually didn't have to get a computer science degree either. I got a finance degree. Um, um, and I, but at the same time, I learned a lot from computer science. I did some really advanced computer science. Um, and I, I took the ideas from there and I was actually coding on the internet. So I was building websites from the database and things I, you know, those, those computer science ideas. And as you know, I was building websites and I started selling them. And then, um, the, the, the websites we sold for, for clients, we, we started to learn how to market them on the internet and get them to up Google. And then from there, we kind of saw, you know, well, a lot of our clients, you know, they, they've got some really great sites. Um, how can we actually go about making our own? Um, so we started, you know, obviously we knew how to build websites, we knew how to market them. So we thought, hey, why don't we make our own? And that's where actually Credit Card Finder was born. Um, so uh, it was one of the ideas. We had, we had sort of four ideas. One was a poker side, one was a Mother's Day present side, one was a Sudoku side. Right. Um, and um, yeah, Credit Card Finder was the, was the fourth one. Right, okay. And so you started um, basically, how did you get going from that point? So sometimes it's very interesting to entrepreneurs because a lot of people sort of hang in there and then they bail out when they think that it's going to fail because they can't go any further. And it's like that tipping point between getting, you know, getting somewhere and starting to get confident that you're going to make it. And obviously in some cases, like you could have started a poker site and then it'll not working out. And then you move over to credit cards. And obviously there's a trigger point there to kind of see, okay, I'm getting somewhere with it. What, what sort of sort of led you to think, okay, that's going to work? You know, it's a great question. Cause we, you know, we put a little effort into the, um, the poker site, but it, it kind of petered out to a point because, you know, Texas Hold'em was really big for a while and then um, it kind of, yeah, it slowed down. So it was a bit trendy. Mother's Day presence is not a good business because it only happens one time a year. Yeah, not a great um, <laughs> um, and Sudoku is not really like a business. It's, it's, it, we couldn't figure out, you know, what do you, what do you make from this? Yep. Um, the, the credit card site was really a great idea for us, but which I didn't realize at the time because it, it, it required the skills that I had mastered yes. at the agency. Right. So it required, um, you know, building a website, which, which, you know, I knew how to do. It required internet marketing, which, you know, I did for seven years. 
Um, and they were the key skills, you know, writing content, um, doing SEO, um, you know, building email, great content around that as well. That, that's, that's, that's the core of what I knew. Um, so everything I was doing, I didn't have to figure out what to do. I already knew what to do. Yeah. Um, I just had to execute. And so for at least the first, I'd say four and a half years, we just continued executing things. We didn't even need to really, um, think too much what to do because we just knew this is how you build a website, you know, and this is how you get traffic and you never think about it too much. No, no. So, so, so I think the reason why it worked is because we played into our, our skills that we had mastered, mm. um, you know, making all the mistakes in the past. Um, and, and, you know, and then it, it kind of got to a point where then you had to come up with strategy, right? So now, We've built a, a business and you could have just left it as it was. And I know some people who along who were competing with along the way and they kind of just sort of kept stayed at that level and they make a lot of money and that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, but then we thought, okay, how do we take this further? You know, how do we, what, what do we need to do? So we needed to master more than credit cards, other verticals. And then we needed to master, um, you know, uh, organizational structures and management and, and, and those kind of things. We have lots, you know, more people. That's quite intense. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the hard part. I mean, um, I always think I uh, saw this theory now that after being in business so long, pick the laziest way to do something, and then work from there. Don't try to find the most difficult, hard-working way to get something done because it's just going to get worse. And sometimes, as I think it's. I've sort of experienced this as well. You sort of like suddenly all these projects of the past where there were failures or didn't work out really well actually give you a foundation for the one that you're about to, to execute and the one you're going to be successful in. And I, I think that's that's natural part of business. And I think the biggest thing we've talked about a few times on the podcast about the fact of failure, um, that people, particularly entrepreneurs, um, don't really accept failure as, as, as an option, but they also accept failure as a learning tool, not a, a scenario where you just, oh, you failed and you quit straight away. Yeah, as additional kind of employee or even to a degree a business owner will will just say I failed and they'll give up. I mean, I was in a taxi with an Uber guy. Um, I so much seem to give up marketing advice in Ubers lately, but the idea was the guy was actually had gone through a really bad time in his life and he's now best at selling Ubers. And the reality was, is one thing he hadn't hadn't done. He'd lost all his money. Got to a point where he didn't anything, but he didn't didn't trust himself. So he took the easy way if you're thinking about it. He's gone and driven Ubers and he's got something on the side. So he's trying, but it hasn't clicked yet. And so when I talked to him, I said, well, what, you want to write a book? And it's all this sort of stuff. And he said, oh, yeah. And I said, well, what's your back end of this book? And he didn't have a clue until he realized he'd worked out this way of trading on the on, on shares. So we go, right? And it's like this light went on. And I think the problem was that he'd given up, right? He'd actually given up and he was just beating himself up. Mm. And I think yeah. that's the dangerous thing with failures. You've got to remember that's not a it's not a it's a learning experience and, and the more you fail the better sometimes because you learn so much more out of it. Yeah, that that's it's so true. That objectivity um and ability, you're right, sit back and um take it as a set of experiences and nothing and it's not personal. Mm-hmm. that's you're right you're exactly yeah I, I that's very profound you know and that, i think you're right and in those moments what what um what when you say he'd given up why did you think he'd given up 
Because basically what he's doing is he's trying to run, he's trying to find capital to, to create his business. So he's looking for money. And he said to me, look, he wasn't asking me for money, but he's saying to me, look, I'm, I, I, can, I can turn $1,000 and earn $400 in a day. But if I could earn, have more money, then I could, obviously he was struggling for cash. If I could earn more money, then I could make more money. And so he's got the right idea, but I think he's like, he's, got, he's just circling around. And I think he's driving around the taxi and just, just beating himself up. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so he hasn't really, uh, in some respects, I think, you know, like you've got to burn the bridges sometimes. you just got to like, oh, I'm going to do this now. And I mean, I did that when I started my first business. I just basically quit my job and started the business next next week after 12 years. And sometimes you've got to burn that boat, right? And, and so, look, I'm just going to go for it. And if it fails, it fails. But at least you've tried. And I think that's the, the danger I find in a lot of these guys. I, I come across a lot, and you might see them too. In Australia, there was a huge population of men around my age who suffered badly in GFC and suffered badly before the depression, the recessions and stuff like that. And their businesses failed and then they went and got a job and they gave up. They never, they, they got all this good stuff, but they've never gone back to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I definitely, um, to, I've taken a lot of the, 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 the big losses, and, and learn from that and built on that for sure. I, th I think the hard part, what you're saying as well, is when to pick a short-term win and take it for what it is, mm -hmm. you know, something which is not going to last versus what will you invest in for the long term? Yep. Yep. That, that's, that's, that's really hard. You know, what's a, what's, a, what's a little, like, so this share thing he's got, mm. he's probably making 400 bucks, you know, but probably if you do scale it, it doesn't tend to work out when you scale trading strategies. Yeah. Whereas... You know, if you're doing something, if, if, if there's an investment where you can scale it, I think that's what the difference with Finder was. I realized you could scale it. It's not just a one-off fluke, right? I thought maybe it's a fluke. Oh, yeah, we're comparing these credit cards. That's only, it's all it is, you know. Mm -hmm. But when you realize here's something where if we continue to pour capital in, we'll continue to get more returns. Is it actually a linear formula or is it just a blip? Yep. Is it MySpace, right? <laughs> you know, like it's it's at some point it's going to run out, and and so that's an interesting thing because I was looking at um, the way that you sort of operate, and and I found um, that you have a finders of venture venture stuff. So which presumably what you've done is you've kind of self-funded yourself um, through this process, and how did you go about that? Because obviously if you start just on your own, and you and that's the hard part for most entrepreneurs is start from on your own, start get some staff then find some funding and then move that to the next level. Because from what I can see, your infrastructure is pretty big now. You've got a lot of staff running around. You've got a lot of hungry mouths to feed. You have to build a, a very solid business around that. Otherwise, it could, it could easily disappear tomorrow. Um, and, and so how did you sort of get from to, to the capital raising start part of that and get yourself from one point to another? Yeah, I think... Um so, yes, yeah, so we've never taken on any capital in the company. Um, it's 10 years now. Um, I just came back from our London and Poland office, actually. I've never been to our Poland office. I feel bad. And it's been running for five years. There's 40 people there. I was like, I was like, I was like, I met everyone for the first time. It was awesome. I saw them on Slack and stuff, but anyway, that's a whole experience. Um, you know, how do you grow like that um, and, and, and preserve the capital? Well, I think it's about what level of sacrifice are you prepared to make with your own lifestyle and, you know, to, to, to forego now in your life and invest that in your company instead and get the returns later. Um, 
That's that's the question, right? So I remember when we started Fonda, we left a job when we were getting paid, I don't know, like 150 grand or something. And we paid ourselves $1,500 a month, mm, mm. you know, and that's probably not the right, you know, we were probably worth a lot more than that, but we, it's something which just, you sacrifice, you know, we've kept a lot of cash in the company. We have paid out dividends over time. But we've kept a lot of cash in the company to continue to invest and you sacrifice. So you don't, you know, it's not about living a fancy, crazy lifestyle and those kind of things. You know, I, you, you'll see me, um, I live a, you know, a, a regular lifestyle to some extent. Um, I think it's escalated to a lot, you know, a lot over, over, over time, but you know, I think this comes back to what you're saying about investments, you know, what are, what plan those investments? What are the things are you going to invest in the long term in versus what are the things that you're going to like, um, you know, make a quick buck out of, but then move on. And we just cut a lot of the quick bucks out and just made long-term investments in things and just kept plowing money into it. Um, and a lot of the profits were just stored up as cash. Mm. Um, this is probably a dumb idea over 10 years because you know, it devalues terribly. Um, cash is always king as they say. <laughs> yeah. But again, we, we, we pumped that a lot into the company, right? So we kept reinvesting and kept finding. So we were like, we we're worried in Australia, for example, to move overseas and making that call and having the cash flow and the investment. But like, we're going to run out of space mm. to expand, right? We're just going to run out. It's like, there's only a certain population size. So we're like, okay, well, we're going to need some more runway and to, 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 to keep growing. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I think part of that question is what is the goal? You know, what is your goal for us? The goal, you know, we, we kept raising the bar essentially. Um, and so that's the way, you know, we started by just going, okay, we just want to make a hundred grand a month. Yep. And I remember the, like everyone was like, this, like, that's crazy. And I said, <laughs> and then we hit that and I was like, let's go for a million dollars a month. Let's make a million bucks a month. And everyone was like, that's, that's like, no one could conceive of, of that number. It was just, what does that even look like? No, we had no idea, no comprehension, probably very few ways of exactly knowing how to get there. But once you just set that goal, mm. we then went, okay, right. What do we do to get to that? <laughs> how do you get there? Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think that you're planning that cash flow, planning the returns, um, you know, it took it in 2016. So it was, we started in 2009, 2016, so seven years of building a few, you know, and I think this is another key thing I'll go back to is you, you, what you talked about is you, you get some money together, you make a little business, you hire some people. We spent seven years perfecting the process and the system to make it so as the, um, the founders were not involved operationally. And I think that's when we went, you know, I, then I got on the plane and I went to New York city, got an Airbnb and literally started the company again, you know, finder.com. Mm. And you know, that's grown. I think that's like, there's like 70 people now in the U S it's, it's a serious operation now, but the only reason we could do that and plan that and understand that is because we spent seven years perfecting it. Mm. And you knew the systems. Yeah. And I think that's the danger with, with, I think there's two problems with entrepreneurs that they get into trouble with one is focus. So they end up focusing on 20 different things, hoping some money has come from something and you never focus on your, your core thing and you let that thing die. And the other thing was interesting, I, I, I spoke to Dean Graciosi just recently about the concept of the underdog 
Um, and I think you, you kind of put that in play when you went to New York because you were basically going to stop starting again. I could, I could theoretically just go big in the marketplace and spend a big load of money and, and fail dismally or I could treat myself as the underdog and, and start fresh and, and be hungry. And I think that's, that's probably the best way to go about something because then you, you don't overspend, you don't take big risks that you shouldn't take and you see people do that. Well, you know, I think, John, one of the things I, I, would, I would keep my mind open with that because there may be opportunities where you should go hard and you should, should spend quite violently mm. um, when the investment thesis plays out. So, you know, when we um, go into a market, say we've just opened an office in Toronto and in that market, there's a lot less competition mm-hmm. and there's a lot less um, big funded competitors, you know, and so for us, we're actually on a much more even playing field. In fact, we're probably actually one of the big players without, you know, just by beginning, right? And so we have a lot of resource that we can, you know, when you say spend, for us, that's just, you know, you're a direct resource to that area. Yeah. And in that instance, I actually think um, we're, I, I thought we were underspending and we've, we've, we've actually upped the investment. We're not making a profit yet there, but we've really you know, started to invest. And the reason for that, I think is, you know, you look at a business like say, um, even Afterpay, I think they should just be violently spending because they're just pulling in so many customers and they're getting that first mover advantage and they have a killer product where they've got the system, they've got everything done. It's kind of like they actually need to move faster to, to, like, to like sort of capture the customers and own the, the market, if that makes sense. Yeah, because they're going to miss out. Like someone will come on and clone them basically and, and do Yeah, that. like Klarna or Affirm or Quadpay or Split It. Like they're all coming. Mm. So the interesting thing, and I've got this theory and I've seen it play out a lot of times, is, is the theory of the ice makers, right? So what happens is when, when refrigeration was invented in Australia, because we invented fridges, um, there was a lot of ice makers around and they never transitioned to refrigeration. They just went broke. And so every time there's a major shift in technology, the incumbents never survive or they morph into something totally different. You look at sites of Encyclopedia Britannica, like they should have been Wikipedia. There's no reason why they shouldn't have been, but they weren't. And so sometimes when you go into a market where you've got a fresh idea, you think that the, the incumbents in that kind of market space, like banks, for example, um, would be able to kind of think, oh, well, we'll take, you, we'll take you out, we'll do something. But the reality is they have no ability to understand that technology. And so it's not those people that, that you're at risk at. It's these new players that just suddenly come out of the blue with a big stack of cash that want to try and make it, you know, try and make it and, and steal your business. 100%. You know, um, the inertia that exists in a, a larger organisation, even for us, mm-hmm. even for us, you know, where we get scared by, you know, it sounds weird. We were like that company and then now we look at other small companies like, wow, they're moving so fast. Yeah. You know, and we're like, we're moving fast, but they're like moving faster. And we're like, yeah. like, you know, we're moving in so many different places and, you know, you know, um, so that nimbleness, you're right. It decreases over time. Um, I, I think that one, what you're also highlighting and what that comes back to and what we've been very challenged by is how do you innovate? Mm. Right? How, how do you actually reinvent yourself? And, I, you know, there's a lot of, I think, you know, the Christian 
Claytonson wrote that great book, The Innovator's Dilemma, and it, I love that book, and I've just read the, the follow-on book to it. And unfortunately, Christian just passed away last week, which is a very sad story. Um, he's a great man, and he affected so many people, you know, like Steve Jobs and all those kind of things. But I think that's, that would be the book I'd say, if you want, with this challenge to, 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 to read. Um, it affected me a, a lot. And the way in which we kind of have solved that well, we try and solve it. I wouldn't say we solve it because who, who solved innovation? It's tough, right? And, and this is where this app, the Finder app has been born out of, is we create a separate company. Yeah. Um, and the reason, you know, you look at, even Amazon did this, right? So when they wanted to create Amazon Web Hosting, Amazon Web Services, so that they're, they're, they're at that business, mm. it was formed in South Africa. Right. They sent 23 people over to South Africa to build it because the, the bandwidth was terrible. <laughs> it's bad. I've been there 13 times. So it was really bad. You can't even do your emails. <laughs> yeah. So they said, if you can run here, you can run anywhere. And so they said, that's where they build that business. But they geographically moved them away from the mothership because otherwise the mothership affected them mm. and then the innovation doesn't happen. Yeah. Now, Christensen said that you can do it. And there's two ways. You can either shepherd some resources mm. or you just make a whole separate entity. Mm. And that's the whole separate entity is really what I found to be the most effective, but you know, other companies like Johnson and Johnson, they sort of, they're able to do that. Fisher and Pike will have an innovation area and then they kind of go off on missions and things like that. And I think that's, it's really important. Um, like you said, you know, to, to understand and see those incumbent businesses coming for you. Yeah, sorry, those businesses, those, 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 those ones that are coming for you, but at the same time, a lot of them, I've seen, you know, been doing this for 10 years. I've seen people say that comparison's dead and we're going to kill comparison. And I've seen that so many times from so many different businesses. They don't always work. So sometimes actually the defense of doing nothing can actually be the best yeah, true. response. It could be just be a complete distraction. So like, ignore them, yeah, because they're just distracting you on something that's not even important. Yeah, and sometimes you just let them, let them like. And so, so, so I think if you if you look at those instances with the ice makers and the fridge, they probably just thought, oh, it's another another weird innovation, and who's gonna, you know? And they, they've seen ninety eight of them before, mm. and this was the one that <laughs> actually, you know, that's probably I think might have been what happened. Yeah, I mean, my generation, we when the internet started, they said it's never going to take off. That it would never, work, right? Yeah, but cloud would never work. When I when I was in accounting software, they said that no one would trust the cloud for their accounting software. You know, it's almost like no one will do this. But then suddenly, over time, you got that adoption rate, and eventually everybody goes, "Oh, it looks easy to me," and they just all follow fall in suit. Well, you know, it's the same right now. Like we've connected this app up to you know to people connect their bank accounts up, right? Yeah, so they sure. share their transaction data. Mm. And people are saying, well, who's going to do that? Like, no one's going to give you, you know, I'm like, well, actually, I think that's going to be normal in the future. Mm. Like, who, like, like, if someone reads your transactions, as long as it's private and you see it, but the algorithms crunch it and tell you really cool stuff, yeah. like, who cares? They already, the banks can already see it. Well, Facebook's got it all anyway, so who cares? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, Facebook and Google, like, it's very scary what they've kind of got on you. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, the day of the privacy, I always say to my son, I said, the day of the privacy, you gave up your privacy the day you logged into the internet. Like it's gone as soon as you push that login in because suddenly they know about you and they're starting to track you. And I think from what I can see, social credit, um, which is something they're apparently doing in China where they're looking at a scenario where what you do socially on the internet actually counts towards your credit rating. And and that's a scary time because I saw a couple of things on, um, uh, I think it was 
it's a show on Netflix, so I think Black, um, Black Mirror, where they actually kind of look into the future. And it's quite scary when you look at this scenario where, you know, sometimes some, some people will look, oh, well, you know, if you're not the, the right social status, enough followers on, on your social app, you won't, get, you won't get credit, you won't get this, you won't get that. Wow. And so I think the danger is, is if anybody puts a head in the sand and says, oh, well, this is not going to happen, <laughs> you know what I mean? The reality is it's moving that way that, and, and they've got data on you. Why shouldn't you be using the same data the way that they use it? 100%. Yeah. So tell me what... Um, I want to talk about cryptocurrency for a sec. Yeah. So you went into that kind of venture. Is that something that you're focusing on still or is that something that it's sort of like kind of, kind of fits into the money side of things, but it looks like something completely different on the other side? You know, I, I, a lot of people inside the company weren't on board with cryptocurrency and they kind of didn't understand that. And I said, you know, they thought it's just, just a scam and all this kind of thing. I said, I actually think this is here to stay. Sure. Um, and I think it's actually, it's got a lot further to go. It, it reminds me, if you're going to get back to your analogy, I remember, you know, dialing up on the internet. I remember like bulletin boards and um, those kind of things. I remember, you know, and I was like, geez, this is, it's, it's good, but it's going to take, it's so bumpy. And, but the, the, the actual reality of what has been created, you know, is a miracle. It's just, it's, it's very, it's not as user friendly. Right. Yeah. Um, so I went into that and, and I sort of dug deep into that in sort of a preparation for us as a business for the future. Mm. Um, because, you know, we're in, the, you know, a lot of our verticals that we compare are finance. And what if finance changed? Yeah. Right. What if, mm. yeah. What if banking changed? Like that affects us in a, a that's kind of like when the tectonic plates move on the earth and, you know, that's what, you know, and so, so I've seen that. That's what I see that whole blockchain and cryptocurrency space being about. Um, you know, in, in, there, are, there were definitely scams. There were definitely hype. And that's with every market, but you remember, yeah, you remember, yeah. yeah, you remember that as well, John, you know, from the internet. Remember the early stuff that was out there? It's just, you know, and it's still on the internet. There are all these scams. I think Warren Buffett just got done by a scam. DC wow. Solar for $360 million. Like it still happens, right? Yeah. There's always crooks out there. They'll take advantage of the situation. Yeah. But there is also an absolute miracle that's happened with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a genuine, like it's, it's you start a Bitcoin and you go on this journey and you always come back to Bitcoin. That's what people tend to do. Mm. And it's, it's open source money, mm. right? It's, 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 it's not controlled by a bank. It's not controlled by a central government. It's, it's actually the people's money, which is controlled yes, by code. Most guys, but government and banks scare the hell out of them. <laughs> oh, it is, and, 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 and that's the thing, right? And you know, everyone's like, oh, Bitcoin's dead. Well, it's not. And it's just, it's 10 years old now. And the euro is 15 or 16 years old, mm -hmm. something like that. And they just lost the UK. So <laughs> dramatic when they're the biggest player in the market, or, you know, like, so it's not a, not a small player moves out of the marketplace there either. You know, so I think, you know, people, I think with cryptocurrency, it got a, you know, a rough name and people sort of wrote it off, but it's kind of like, I think it's going through one of those phases. Mm. It just needed to cook a bit longer. It just needed to be around a bit longer. Just like give it, give it some chance to like, it's kind of like it was just forming into a little tiny sapling. Mm. Everyone's like, look at this forest. We're like, well, not really. Like we're kind of like a bit early. Um, but, but regardless, you know, that's an investment that we made. And I think unlike other people, you know, we think it's here to stay. We get it. We understand. And we, I think it's going to be a big part of the future. 
especially like, you know, you look at virtual reality and all that stuff as it's building. Yep. If you were in virtual reality, would you use like a virtual currency? Probably, mm. you know, seems natural to me, you know, with Fortnite and all those kind of things. Um, I just went to a, the Australian Open on the weekend. I saw a massive Fortnite tournament there. I was like, wow. Like, you know, it was a stadium of people. I was like, wow. Like, it's, yeah. the, the, you know, remember we were talking about um, computer games and computer gamers are going to be heroes and sports stars. Well, that's here. That's yeah. now. They're I mean, signing like, shirts. Watch people play games. Like, it's right. crazy, isn't it? Right. And I think that's the same thing with cryptocurrency. You know, I think it's, 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 it's here to stay. It's going to be part of the future of money. And when money itself changes, that affects things. Because then you've got things like, you know, you've got decentralized money, then you'll have decentralized finance. So, you know, you can go on in cryptocurrency and you can deposit money and you can get, you know, six, seven, eight percent earnings. Right. And it's, you know, that's that. Banks are paying like 1% if you're lucky. Right. You know, like, so, so I think one of the challenges with, um, with, with any new technology like that, that um, you get that, you, you know, it's about sorting, sorting, sorting the scanners from the reality and figuring out what is actually legit. The thing I actually um, felt like, but is because I was there building websites and I understood that and I learned, I watched the internet grow and I saw, well, I could spot the scams. Mm. I was like, that's a scam. That smells like a spam. <laughs> yeah. I've seen, I've seen a hype scam. I've seen someone do that before. I've seen that before. I, I know what happens to that. That on the other hand is real. That's legit. And I don't know, like it's just, I guess I felt like I had more experience to be able to navigate it in a way where I, you know, I could, I could easily sort of sort through it, um, a new industry. And, you know, for me, that um, it was fun, you know, and it rebirthed me and it gave me a lot of excitement. And, you know, now I sort of put that in a box that up. We still have, you know, a lot of investment in that area. It's just, um, you know, now we're coming back to some of these new things like our app and the open banking and things like that. Where And fintech and stuff like that, I think, is, is, is I'm finding very exciting as well. Because I, I think, in my opinion, because the reality is I read this book recently, um, Homo Sapiens, and it was talking about the concept that, if everybody went to the bank today and drew all the money they had, there wouldn't be enough money printed to be able to cope with it. So the reality is, is the bank's already doing cryptocurrency. They're already doing digital currency because they don't have the money. They can't print the money. Yep. They're lending against the money they don't really have anyway. So the reality is, is that people think, oh, you know, it's almost like, to me, it's like the share market, right? People say, oh, I don't want to invest in the share market. It's risky. I said, but your superannuation's invested in it. And so it's like the perception is not the reality. <laughs> um, and I think at the end of the day, the banks, but you see this thing, right? If the banks wanted to own cryptocurrency, all they have to do is go and do it, but they won't. So they're going to end up being the ice makers, in my opinion, and that could be the way the cryptocurrency goes because they catch them by surprise because they don't think it's important. Um, they don't talk about it and they kind of avoid it. So I think that situation is, yeah, I think the world will change in currency. It's changed plenty of times before. You read back on what, what money used to be seashells, used to be seashells as money um, way before they had cash or you know, actual coins and things. So it just become easier over time. And my theory anyway is money is an exchange of energy anyway. It's not real. So it's only confidence <laughs> at the end of the day that it really is money. Well, there's, I think I just, I'd separate two things then. I think there's currency and then there's money. Mm. So um, quick story. Um, 
in 2006, there was a, there was a, a, a builder who was fixing a fence for a farmer and he dropped his hammer in the field. It was up in um, um, North um, England. Mm-hmm. Dropped his hammer, couldn't find his hammer. He went to the farmer, hey, I can't find my hammer. Do you have a metal detector? He goes, yeah, yeah, I got one for Christmas. He's like, oh, cool. Comes out, he's scanning. It's just this metal detector's going off. He's like, wow, it's crazy. It puts his hand down and he picks up a handful of Roman gold coins, gold and silver coins. Wow. They call up the archaeologists that dig it up, you know, and they got a, a treasure fee. There's a treasure, you get, you can't hold treasure and you, it's, a, it's a law. You, you got paid the money for it, but they got paid 1.7 million pounds for the gold and silver. And so if you think about that, this was, and they discovered it was, it was 500 years ago, someone buried these things, right? Which wouldn't be much then. No, and, and, but you think about it, it was, it, it, it's, it's, it might've been even before that or wherever it might've been, regardless, say you buried, you know, a hundred dollar note or a hundred pound note right now for 500 years, mm. how much would it be worth? Nothing. If you're lucky, it wouldn't be worth anything. Right. <laughs> yeah. But the gold and the silver coins maintain their value. It's physical. It's something real to a degree. So that to me is money. Mm. Whereas currency is a representation of money. So it used to be that currency was connected to gold, but it's not anymore. No. And so this whole idea of printing money and things like that is, is really central to cryptocurrency and why people are really big on Bitcoin because they think Bitcoin is the same thing, right? You can't, print more Bitcoin. There's only 21 million. And they, and so Bitcoin, if you wanted to put it somewhere, it's kind of like digital gold. So it's actually money that you, and this theory needs to play out, right? No one knows because, you know, but it's playing out pretty well of, you know, the theory of it and the economics and how it sort of, and I can get into that, but it's not, it's not, I don't think it's for another time. Um, but I think, you know, coming back to what you're saying, I agree, you know, currencies, not, you know, every currency will go to zero. Mm-hmm. has in history, always will, starts at zero, ends at zero. That's just how it is. Look at Zimbabwe, for example. You know, they, you know, people get paid a billion dollars a month to be a cleaner in Zimbabwe because the currency is in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And currencies have been used all throughout time for governments and dictators to steal money from their people. Sure. Because yep. they print the money. And so, you yeah. know, that, yeah. and you're right, right? So we're already kind of in cryptocurrency. We just you know, a lot of those things are going to take time. Imagine the first person, John, that went up to someone and said, hey, here's this shiny gold thing. Can I have your cow? It'll never take off, you'll say. It'll never take off. Yeah, that'll never take off. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, there's always got to be the first person to agree to it and then it goes from there. But I think at the end of the day, that's that's the trick. I think in, in the best time ever when it comes down to being an entrepreneur because you can start a business up very quickly you can come up with an idea, you can test it. If it doesn't work, move on to something else. But the reality is, is that you don't have to have a big advertising spend. You don't have to set up business premises. You, you virtual, this whole virtual thing, um, which is real ra- rather than fake, is, you know, you can start something so quickly. Um, and, you know, you find, also, so it was a story, if you, if you sort of piss off a young person, say around the 20s on something that they don't like, they could set up a business against you tomorrow and beat you, right, because of the way that the, the world is. So I think now is the best time. An entrepreneur can't kind of make it in this market. They probably never will because, you know, they've got so many things that, I mean, I, if I ran my business, I had like 23 staff in a business premises 10 years ago. If I had cloud back then, I'd have half as many staff 
and wouldn't even have a business premise and it would have saved a million dollars a year. And so, you know, the, the you know, leveraging those things is the best assets anybody's ever had. Um, yeah. And I think now, you know, like, I think it's worth a shot. And sometimes you, you don't, experiment doesn't cost that much money out nowadays when it used to cost, you'd have to go and open the shop and have to, to you know, pass government regulations, all sorts of stuff. Now you can virtually test it and see what happens and ship it from home. So, so tell me what your normal day looks like in comparison. And I guess in the early days, you, you would have been doing a lot of the physical kind of, techie work and stuff like that but what do you what's your normal day look like now what do you today um i talk to a lot of people (laughs) um so i talk i i i guess i have meetings with people and i um i read a lot of reports um i want to know the heartbeat of the company um i meet with a lot of my leaders and understand what's going on um I actually, I personally run the fine adventures business. So I am very involved hands on in the, in the new stuff, very new frontier testing, making decisions in that area. Um, and I'm good at that. You know, I'm, I think I'm much better at as a, as a, as a, um, an entrepreneur, um, kind of leader rather than a manager. I think that's an important insight. You know, you'd like, to hunt. you'd like to hunt than rather plant. You like to go hunting. Yeah, I'm really good at that, you know, and, and, but you know, I can manage. It's not to say I can't manage. I just, I'm better at, um, um, yeah, leading leadership, I'm a better leader than I am a manager. Um, so, so, so a lot of my, you know, I do a lot of thinking as well and I'll read stuff. I'll go to, go to events and I'll think. I don't know, it sounds weird, but... Oh, no, know. it's worth it. It's amazing what you come up with when you go away on holidays or go trip somewhere, right? Yeah. I, I, need, um, I need to make, you know, so, you know, six or eight decisions a day that are really good mm-hmm. and that, are, that affect a lot of people. Um, and I need to take in all the variables and, you know, start that journey. Then a lot of the time I'm planning for the next you know, events that are going to be with my leaders and thinking about what's the information they need, what, where are they at, um, what's, what's, you know, and, and as a leadership team, I'm thinking about how do I help the team? Mm-hmm. That sounds strange, but I'm focused on how's the team going? Mm-hmm. Um, so the dynamics between the team, the dialogue, the transparency, you know, those are all really important things. Um, I, I will, I'm traveling a lot, so I'll be overseas somewhere. I'm listening to someone or I'm meeting a certain new business or I'm researching a new product. I would do a lot of that. Um, I do a, a, quite a bit of speaking as well. So I, as, a, as a, I guess a CEO in, in Finder, I'm the co-CEO with, with my other co-founder. Um, he, um, he's more of the CEO um, than myself, I'd say, day-to-day, but I'm more of the forward-looking style. Yeah. Um, Best not to have two of those people in the business will drive each other nuts. That's right. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the key is that combination works really well. Um, and the other the, the thing, you know, um, is I'd say I'm more of a, um, a marketing and promotions CEO rather, whereas, you know, Frank's more of an analytical financial um, operations style um, CEO and so you sort of they combine together um, in that sense. That's nice, yeah. I mean, that's the two splits. That's the hardest part in business is to run a business and and build a business because it's very different not um, skill sets needed to do that. 
Yeah, you know, I think I'm um, back in the day when we were starting in the beginning, like the first, I'd say three, 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 four years, particularly the first two years, I was really leading and managing the company. Like it was, it, that's really, you know, I was, I bet, you know, whereas now then it got bigger then I'd say Frank was more leading um, and, and, and more managing the company and, and we would lead it together. And then now I'd say Frank would be more leading and I'm, I guess, you know, taking more of like a, like an executive chairman role. And then, but in the, in the ventures business, I'm like day to day on the ground, CEO meet report, you know, like hardcore. Right. So, you know, that's, that's, it's very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, and I'm, but I'm good at that in the beginning. I'm, I guess zero to 25. Yep. Um, I'm very effective past that. Not so good. You know, Dunbar's law is Miami. Mm-hmm. And you need something fresh to sort of get you, keep you thinking. Cause otherwise you're going to end up, um, you know, making probably decisions that really aren't, aren't designed to be safe. It's more about trying to get more, more um, zest in your game. I think. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's important, you know, to have that reflection and definitely something I've done. Mm. And I think that's a good point that you talk about. So what I like to do is, you know, go away on a trip or something like that. If you're sitting on the plane for 14 hours and you can't have internet, um, then you have to think or do something else. And I think that's when you start thinking about things that you normally don't get time to think about. And I think that's a big, area in business where it's, it's okay to sit in, sit and think for a half a day or a day, you know, it doesn't mean that you're doing the wrong thing because I think a lot of people don't do that. And, and in my business, when I see a lot of customers, I come along and say, well, you haven't thought out your business properly because what you're doing is doing stuff. You're just running from one thing to another, going from one each, hustling from one each meeting to another. You have to stop and stop to think about what, what is actually a website even says about you. And I think that's the danger is that they, they forget to actually think. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. It's tough because you know the, the the phones ringing and the emails are piling up and the orders are getting later. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's always hungry mouths to feed, right? So um, the last question I want to ask you is um, one I usually try and ask a lot of a lot of my guests, and it's a bit of a curly one in some respects. Some people have trouble with it. Some people are okay. Um, and that is, what was the one thing you tell your younger self before you got started with this? Like you, a lot of people say, "Geez, I wish I'd done this or said this or done you know gone and done this." What would you tell your younger self? to do you know it's something which um for me i think a lot of my energy and power comes from myself you know i'm i'm that driving force the energy people talk about me as the sort of the electricity in the company mm-hmm. um and what i would have done um is i would have said and it's taken me a long time just to say, you know, um, have faith. Mm. Trust yourself, right? Just trust yourself. It's all, it's all good. It's going to be okay. Mm. Mm. You know, like it is, it's what's going to happen is going to happen. It's okay. And you're a good player and have faith. And because whatever you're going to do and do it your absolute best is what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, mm. Um, I'm not trying to say like, I'm a, I'm a, what do you call that? A, um, like, like a, like a future teller or whatever, you know, but, <laughs> you tell or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, realistically you as an individual, 
We will do your absolute best and what you can do is what you will do. And the, the thing is, that's going to, all of those other things that's going to happen and you're going to learn, you're going to learn. No wonder which way, you're, that's just how you're going to learn. That's the way you're going to experience it, and that's fine. The key part, but for me, which, you know, I guess I, I, I it, takes, it takes me a lot and that's where it always, come, always comes back to is just have faith in yourself. Mm. Then, and no, don't be, like, like truly believe and know you're going to make it. Mm. Mm. And I think at the end of the day, like um, what you say to yourself when you're alone is the most dangerous words. Yeah. And, and so it's very easy to beat yourself up. And I was just like, come back to the Uber driver. Like he's still beating himself up a little bit when his story was, he was starting to come out of it. You can tell, but he, at the end of the day, he wasn't betting himself really to a degree. He was trying to raise money on Uber. I mean, that's a long, <laughs> they make a lot of money on Uber from what I can understand. The other time I've spoken to people. So it's, he's not, he's playing, he's, he's spending most of his time earning a little bit of money. So he's not really, to my opinion, he could, if he could day trade, Find another way to make money. Find a lazy way to make money. Another hard, he's found a hard way to make money. And he wants to grow, right? And I think that's the, the key to that. He hasn't really backed himself because he's still scared he's going to fail and make a mistake. Yeah. And you know, I think um, you're right. Um, I think the things you say to yourself, like, I'll rephrase that as well. I'll add to you and I agree with you. I just You can be dangerous. You can also be dangerous and let's look at that word dangerous in a very positive way <laughs> oh yeah yeah because sometimes it can go the other way <laughs> yeah like you can i think a lot of, and i, I learned that as well you know that having that, that internal dialogue about who you think about you know what you think of yourself that took I, i've spent the last five years with an emotional coach and worked through a lot of those things mm. um and got into a very positive um place and aligned place to be myself but um you know, the part I think I'm struggling with and I've struggled with a lot is, you know, you've got to keep reinventing yourself. That's, that's the thing, you know, as an entrepreneur and as a company, it, it needs different things from you. And I think that's where I, I've, I've constantly been challenged and where you've got to have faith. It's okay to keep, you know, keep reinventing yourself. It's okay. Mm. So is your business, um, your model essentially when you went into business, did you think about, in fact, you were creating a legacy business that you might pass on to your family or is it something that you figured you'd sell down the track? What was your, did you make a decision at the start as to what you wanted to do or is it something that just kind of come along? I think Frank and I started that from our previous business. So this one was born, this company was born out of the previous company and we sold that other, other part of the business. Um, but we've always wanted to make something that lasts forever. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, we're not going to stop. We think it's still day one because, you know, we're going to, keep, keep going and keep making it until it's, you know, um, a wielded on part of humanity. Um, um, and I think it's possible. Money, really? You've got a bigger mission than money. Yeah. It's got to be, it's got to survive and endure. So I, I don't want to build a unicorn company. I want to build a Phoenix, mm -hmm. you know, Phoenixes continuously reinvent themselves and re, 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 you know, give birth to themselves again in, and become stronger. And that's what I admire. I love companies, you know, like a company, I love a company like Sony, mm -hmm. you know, it's going along making Ram then it makes the Walkman yeah. and then it's going along and it's, it's, it's made TVs and it makes a PlayStation. Mm, now it makes movies like movies, like genius, you know, like it reinvents, it constantly reinvents itself. Mm. and grows and becomes stronger and bigger. And I think that that's what I admire. 
you know, a company like Chrysler reinventing its Fiat Chrysler, you know, they built those new Fiat, the new Chrysler cars. Mm. Um, I love that. Uh, you know, I think that's, that's what I admire. Mm. Yeah, not just to make it the first time, but keep, you know, reinvent it and start again and make it again. I think that proves you know what you're doing. That's a great company mm. to me. That's my, that's what I admire. Like other people, they want to build, you know, one big, great, this is what, you know, la, la, la. I'm like, cool, build one, but what if you build, like, like keep building, keep building, keep building, keep building, new, new, you know, like evolve, like, like, like. There you go. <laughs> actually, it's quite funny because when I was running a software company, this guy that actually used to run the company before me, I think he was, um, um, like, didn't like me for that reason. But anyway, he said to me, can you stop changing stuff? Can you stop change? Like, uh, stop changing things in the company. And I thought to myself, man, you're doomed. Because the world is changing constantly, your body's changing, like everything is changing all the time, and you want me to stop change? Uh, exactly. Who do you think I am, anyway? But do you know what I mean? Like it was quite bizarre. He'd been in business a long time, and he sort of got to the end of his kind of business life to a degree. Um, but he's gone. Oh, you keep changing stuff, and it's like, well, if you don't change, you, you know, if you're not moving, you're dying, right? If you're not moving, and so I think that's the thing. A lot of people don't like change, and and there's a certain you know. I guess personality trait that doesn't like change as well, and they're usually the last to adopt anything anyway. But they're not; they're only maybe a third of the marketplace anyway. So, I think at the end of the day, you know, you've got to accept change is inevitable, not something that you can just sit on your laurels and go, "Great, I've made this money now. I'm just going to sit there and keep taking it in." Because, you know, someone's in business, someone's always out to get get what you've got. <laughs> you yeah, hundred percent um, makes sense. I really appreciate um, you coming along and having a good chat because I really like to dig in deep. Um, so obviously you've got Finder app, which is, I'm understanding is, is, is global. So basically there's, a, there's an Australian version and, and there's a, obviously in different countries you're building it out, which is great because everybody's got a credit card, right? Um, so what's the best sort of like for you in terms of the podcast and, and what you'd like listeners to do um, from this point of listening to your thing? What would you like them to do from here to sort of continue a relationship with you or find out about what you more? You know, I, like I'm on LinkedIn and I talk a lot on LinkedIn a lot. So you can come and come and follow me there. Yep. Um, I, 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 I also, um, um, if they want to try the app, you know, that's sort of some, my latest work and you can see what, and I think it's, it just helps you save money. It unlocks savings for you. So it doesn't cost anything either. So, yeah. you know, I'll give it a go. Um, <laughs> I'll give it a go. Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe it'll save you money. Um, you know, if you're not into that, that's cool as well. You know, either which way. Um, but I think those are the two things. You know, I hope it'll help people. Yep. Um, and I that's that's why that's what Find is all about. Um, and um, yeah, and I you know if they want to learn more, and I speak a lot. We have a we have a, we have a, um, a LinkedIn club called the Disruptors Club, and I I, I, I privately post things that there and answer questions that's sort of where if you want to get more involved with myself um that's sort of where to go cool all right excellent well thanks fred for your time and um hopefully we can talk again soon we'll find another subject to talk about i'm sure there's plenty oh that's great john you know you're a very prodigious uh entrepreneur i love it cool no worries i'll talk to you again soon and we'll put all the links up on the website as well so people can find it do and i'll sit around to my my crew right that's it excellent thank you